And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California. Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson, and Southern California, welcome again to another Sunday edition of Rod Real Radio. I am indeed your underfish toast, top along John Cassidy, and it is a pleasure to welcome you to the jam-packed show we have in store for you tonight. Just sit back and relax and hold on, because it's going to be the fastest 90 minutes you've gone through in a long time. Let me give you an idea of what's happening first. Out of the gate... We're going to have Captain Frank Orsetti from H&M Landing. Hey, for the past few months, we have been going through, I don't know, we've been going through purgatory? Yeah, let's say that. (laughs) With regards to these regulations that the California Air Resources Board want to apply to our uh, recreational fleet. Well, there's been a understanding, there's been a finding come on out, a ruling by the CARB, and Frank Rossetti's going to be with us to tell us just exactly what that means, not only for our sports fishing fleet, but as for us as fishermen as well. And then later on in the hour, Rick Scott is going to be with us from the Ocean Odyssey. He's going to tell us what's happening on the double O. They've got the uh, outdoor lab that they are doing. They're also going to be, uh, you know, starting up their uh, uh, long-range trip. So Rick's going to tell us what's happening with the Ocean Odyssey. And then the second hour of the show, we've got pro angler Justin Kerr with us. And Justin Kerr is just finished the uh, Lake Havasu Open, the one at Laughlin held by one bass. We're going to find out how he did in that event, so there's plenty to talk about. But before we do that, let me get on with my co-host. First of all, this gentleman is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT, pretty darn good angler in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how are you doing? Good evening, John, everybody. You know, all in all, I fished my second tournament after complete left shoulder replacement on Saturday, and uh it's coming along. The next one I'll actually be able to fish in, I think, <laughs> and use the other arm. So far, I've had a, a spinning rod. That's all you could do to you know, just turn the handle. They wouldn't even let me lift a one-pound weight for the first 30 days. And then they said, well, maybe up to five pounds the last 30. And so, I mean, we got five fish and put them in the boat, but we're not uh, full speed yet. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be there than on the sofa wishing I was out there. And it was all good. Fun day. Wow. Well, you know, uh, Stan, we have the winner of the Laughlin Open, uh, run by One Bass here, just uh, completed uh, this last weekend. Winning weight for smallmouth was 68 pounds for three days. 
And the winner who we're going to have on, Justin Kerr, he commented as I was talking with him, he should have had 75 pounds. So that's you know, going to be pretty cool exciting. part about Justin, he, we're really good friends. I helped him when he first got started and actually told him to kick his partner out and go, go for row. He's good. But uh, he came from Simi Valley where I live. Uh, we've known each other since the very beginning, uh, and he's just a great guy and a super talented fisherman, which is really cool. I'm smiling ear to ear when I heard that. I went, yes. <laughs> so I'm all in here. I can't wait to talk to him. Well, we're going to find out all about the road he took to get to his victories. But uh, uh, Wendy is uh, trying to get a hold of us. She went on a turkey hunt, and she's trying to pick up a signal. So hopefully she'll be joining us later on. But Stan... We got a lot to do tonight, so and we have our first guest on, so let's get right to him. And as I mentioned earlier, the San Diego sports fishing fleet, in fact, the entire fleets in uh, uh, the California area have been uh, uh, affected by the California Air Resources Board original ruling when it came to emissions, and we had a little bit of a problem with being able to meet those emission standards. But the guys behind the scene have been doing one heck of a job to get that ruling, I don't want to say overturned, but mitigated. And we have one of the fellows with us that did a heck of a job on it, Captain Frank Rossetti. He is the managing partner at H&M Landing. Captain Frank, welcome to the show, sir. Oh, do we have Frank? Looks like... He's lost in the box. It happens on radio once in a while. All right. Oh, hold on here. Hold on. Well, yeah, right. Well, this, All right. this is the normal radio glitch. <laughs> uh, Otto, Everyone's if you're monitoring, call Captain Frank again because somewhere we got disconnected, and that was Frank <laughs> Call me on the cell phone. So, uh, you know, Frank, as soon as you're there, come aboard. Because I got to tell you, Stan, um, when the California Air Resources Board first came down with a ruling for emission standards for the sports fishing fleet, they were unattainable. And the staff had come up with these models that were completely, completely out of sight from anything that was in reality. And SAC and the Sports Fishing Council, another group up from Northern California, came along, did their home, came, came up with findings, and I think we have Captain Frank with us. Frank, are you with us? Nope, not nope. connected yet. All right. Uh, these guys but, you know, came that up was with, the uh, bad part about that is when they came up with all these, they must have given the, the rights to, to make the, this proposition up or law up to somebody that just, here, you do this and we'll talk to you later. Because what they came up with was, one, unattainable, and two, you couldn't make it. And, and it wasn't even available for these people to change the engines out of their, their boats to make them run the way that supposedly the airboard wanted them to run. And since the, the technology wasn't there and there was no engine to put in your boat, effectively they would have just said, everybody's out of business and you can't run. So All right. it's Israel, do we have Frank now? 
Frank, are you there? Hmm? We're not working some for some reason. Well, I keep on hearing uh, static, so I don't know if that's uh, uh, us trying to connect with them or not. So I'm going to ask one more time. Frank, are you with us? Okay. Well, we're going to try and uh, fix that uh, glitch in the interim. So, But needless to say, uh, the uh, uh, sports fishing group that was uh, head by, headed up by uh, uh, Frank himself and uh, Ken Frankie and a bunch of other guys, Hold on, hold on just a second. <laughs> you know, we're we got things going four different ways for Sunday here. It's, you know, live radio and and sometimes the equipment that's there just goes into a its own yeah, spot. We can't static, get things so working, but apparently we got We're gonna get uh, Frank on here pretty quick, uh, one way or the try, other. Uh, you know, all he can do is try again, Frank. Well. We're, we'll keep him going. He's trying to call in and get the connections. For some reason, he can't, but uh, we'll get him going here. I'm sure. So, and again, Frank's pretty used to being on the air with us. He does a lot of work with us over the period of years, and sometimes glitches happen. So, we just go on with that. But he does a great job at running the, everything down at H&M Landing. If you've ever been down there, you've probably seen him running around while everybody's signing up to. To get out of Dodge in the afternoons and early evenings, and he, and Frank has been wholeheartedly involved with the fight to get all of this malfunction of a a law to go away, which it, it's been a challenge, and and it's been the last couple of years. It's not just been one; it's been a few for us to get anybody to listen. Even for a while there, they just said, "Nope, that's what it's going to be." You're going to have to change all your uh, emission controls and all your motors to this type of situation, or you can't use your boat and you can't fish, which has right. been Let's see if we terrible. can try one more time. Frank, are you with us? Yeah, we seem to be having a problem uh, connecting them every time our producer tries to connect them to the show. Frank gets disconnected, and that's not good at all. Oh, man. All right. We're going to try and work out the uh, uh, the bugs in the meantime, but... You know, Stan, there was there's a lot of happenings down there at the landing right now. Uh are being being reported. Uh they uh the uh what was it? The uh Royal Polaris is on eighty five of them right now and out there. The new Luan reported twenty of them and uh they uh um, okay, hold on here. Like something's trying to break in on us there. Yeah. Well, the deal is, is that uh, we are um, uh, attempting to to get Frank, and uh, as soon as we try to patch him in, for some reason he's disconnected. So I don't know if we have some type of a glitch in the in the radio show or what we've got. But say, all right, well, are we connected Frank. with Frank now? No, we aren't. The heck of a beginning of the show, Stan. I don't remember us having such a uh, a bumpy takeoff in a long time. No, you know, every once in a while we've had over the course. I've been doing this. I think it's year twenty-seven. <laughs> so <laughs> that what it is for me. So for me, you know, every once in a while, you we call it. We used to call it getting lost in the box because we're you know you, they call in or we call them whatever. And it goes into the box, and they're on hold, and then you try to switch them on the air. 
and just they go out into la la land and you can't get them in anymore <laughs> it's like they you hook them but you can't land them but i know franco somehow or other we'll get him hooked up and get him in in the boat here <laughs> but until then you know we'll just kind of keep going i know that the bluefin fishing that for weeks the fish were spotted but they couldn't get there or they wouldn't go there just because it was too snotty it was really windy um not a good idea to go out there with a bunch of guys and that are want to go fishing and when you get on the deck it it's pitching so hard that you can't um and a lot of a lot of the people at that point in time don't even want to get out of the bunk for obvious reasons um so they they just you know, only go on the bluebird days. Uh, there were like we had when uh, our first bluefin was caught this year, uh, 150 pounder, but they were on the fish and they've been spotted in areas both down below and up above here, down below in Mexico, and then up above and uh, in and around the islands out here uh, in California also. So we expect that the, the, fisheries should get going pretty quick here all we have to have is some good weather uh, without the wind now spring and wind go together so it's going to be pick your day kind of to go and play but the uh, the fishery itself is raring to go all the saners all the mexican saners have gotten their quota so we won't have lots of the saners up here um, getting in the way of the fishery or even when we go down below a lot of the long-range boats have gone over and seen you know numbers of fish on their way down south to go to the islands down below or to you know alejos wherever they're headed uh that being said they were all saying it's looking like it's going to be a really banner year we just got to get it going all right hey uh stan we're going to go to a commercial break to see if we can get some of our uh glitches worked out so uh Israel, if you can hear me, uh, let's take our first commercial break and see if we can get connected with Frank Orsetti and get a few of these glitches worked out. So uh, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM 540. We'll be back, hopefully, after these messages. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bake Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bake Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto custom baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto custom bait. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, 
Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. The perfect day is my family and I on the boat out on the waterway. I love it. Nothing but sun, snacks, fishing, and of course, life jackets for everyone. Save the ones you love. Life jackets save lives. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Since being established in 2015, CCA has achieved great success for the entire sport fishing industry in the fight for our right to fish here in California. 2021 brought us plenty of success, but every year brings new battles, and we need your help. One of the best ways to help support CCA Cal is to join us and become a member, because strength is certainly in our numbers. Become a member today by logging on to joincca.org. Membership starts at $35 per year, and that is one of the best ways to help us while you go fishing. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself? Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Seconds from going live again, Frank. So thanks for your patience, okay? You and bye. We got it. All right. Hey, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio, and I think we're finally connected. Stan, I don't know, are you with us here? Yeah, by gum, I, I made it through. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think I've got Captain Frank Ersetti with us. We uh, made the introduction earlier. Captain Frank, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay. Hey, thanks it's for your pleasure, patience. Frank. <laughs> hey, Frank, we're going to try and put 20 pounds of mud into a five-pound sack, and uh, uh, we're going to have to kind of do it quickly. But let's first of all talk about the new ruling that the California Air Resources Board came down with and how it affects the sports fishing fleet. Is it a long-term fix, or are we kicking the can kind of like down the road and maybe uh, another problem happening uh, a few years into the future? Definitely not a few years into the future. And, no, we worked very, very hard with CARB on something that at first was unobtainable. Uh, but March 1st, and I'll, I'll get through it quick, was, was really the turning point in the whole process when we had executive leadership from CARB here with our fleet boots on ground, and we had the opportunity to show them the challenges, the economics, and the diversity of our fleet. 
Within seven days, we were all back at the table again, trying to put something together that would make meaningful um, achievements in emissions reductions in something that our fleet could live with. So we still have a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong, there will still be work to be done even as we move through the next decade, but we did end up coming together with something that will work for our fleet. So I, I, I tell you what, I have to thank the general public, your listeners. Um, I, it, was, it was overwhelming, over 3,200 public comments in November, over 22,000 signatures on a petition. Um, and, and Ken Frankie with the Sport Fishing Association, hats off to him. He put together an incredible team of lobbyists, an engineering firm, legal counsel. We had a CPA, an economist. We even had a statistician, a mathematician involved in this just to try and make sure that we had all of our ducks in a row. And, and we, we ended up forming a partnership with CARB, something that makes sense for our fleet. So huge, huge victory this week for all of us. That Kenny, is we had great. That- Go ahead. When it comes, Go ahead, John. When it comes to the individual owners and operators, what's this going to mean that they're going to have to do now, uh, uh, Frank? Well, the first thing it means is that we're still in business. And um, actually, what it's going to mean is, is, in a nutshell, CARB has asked us to retrofit boats with technology that is currently on the market that is approved and fits in our vessels, and it's the cleanest that's on the market um, today. So that's where that's where the work's going to still continue. We still have a lot of machinery to replace. We're going to have to go out and find some funding in the general budget. Um, we're already hard at work on that. There's already programs in place to do that because we've got a tight timeline. Um, our goal, rather ambitious, by the end of 2024, uh, but we worked out a couple of caveats with that as well. So we still have a lot of work to do, but it's going to be a good thing for our fleet. We're going to get, you know, the, the cleanest, most efficient machinery out there on the market today. Wow. Frank, I know a lot of the lot fleet of, right now, have, they've just done a lot of this and gone to, you know, tier three and stuff like that. Are they going mm-hmm. to have to have a higher bar that they're going to reach and more economic expenditures to get to another level or have a lot of uh, some of the people in this fleet already met the bar that has been set? That's a great question, Stan, and, and, or, uh, uh, John, and, and I know Stan wanted to ask a question. No, you're absolutely right. Tier three is going to be our path to compliance in the, to compliance in the near term. So we still have some tier two and, and untiered equipment out there. Those will be prioritized. We'll get everyone to Tier 3. There's, the inventory sits at roughly 50%. There's 193 inspected vessels in the state. That's our, you know, the, our CPFB fleet, our sport fishing fleet, 193. And about half of them are at Tier 3. The other 50% are not. So the goal is to get those up to Tier 3. We'll reevaluate in 2028 and see if there's been any changes, any advancements in technology. That'll be what we call a midterm review. And the ultimate goal is by 2035, if possible, if technology is caught up, then we'll move towards, you know, either zero emission or net zero or what is best available at that time. Stan, did you have a question now? Oh, you know, he kind of covered it. We've had a 
over the last few years here, several years actually, there's been you know the transformation of of these engines that you know the air con- airboard says you know you've got to cowboy up and you got to put the new ones in. A lot of the vessels have been changed over the last let's say five years, and and those <laughs> when it comes to all right, are they going to have this new tier three? Uh, put in and they've only got the new tier one um, are, are there going to be the last ones that then get changed out and get all the other boats that haven't got any changes put in first and how are they going to work that so that's a that's a good question there's still there's still the, what we call the devil in the details right but tier three is the goal so whether you got a tier three engine five years ago or last year you now have met the requirement so we want to get that dirtiest equipment um, out first, right? So the goal would be those that are untiered tier one, tier two in the hopper to get to tier three. The, the most important thing here with all of this is that the original rule came out with tier four as a compliance um, path. There aren't tier four engines even on the market in the size that we have in most of our sport fleet. Then they had they had proposed also tier three engines, which we know are available, and a DPF, a diesel particulate filter. That was a deal breaker for all of us because of room. It's not certified. It's it's not safe. So they relaxed on the DPF, the diesel particulate filter, and we worked out to where we can get us all to tier three, and then we'll we'll just eye on technology as it progresses in the coming years. So. That is a huge, huge compromise on both sides. So um, again, we're gonna we we still have a lot of work to do to to meet a lofty goal of compliance by 2024, especially right now when we're looking at challenges with um, supply. Uh, you can imagine if half of, if 90 boats are trying to get repowered in the next two and a half years, um, we're gonna have a rush on the shipyards on the installers. On the equipment, so there's there's going to be um, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking going on over the next couple three years. Wow, Frank, if you especially, oh, got a last comment. I was comment, just going to say, especially since especially since the boats only have so many months or or time, so little time to do that transformation to pull them out and, and then put everything back in. In a, in a timely manner, there's only, like you're saying, only so many dry docks they can pull it in and do all that. So that that is going to be a huge challenge. I can see that already. It'll be it'll be a huge endeavor, but um, it definitely was the preferred alternative. So uh, that, there'll be there'll be an extension pathway that we can work with, and that was certainly one of the first things that that we had suggested. Stan, we see those logistics just like you're looking at it. And, you know, again, the, the extension pathway that was crafted in the last two weeks, as opposed to the one that was on the table back in November, is, uh, is in stark contrast and something that we can all work with. So there will definitely be some extensions because there's going to be a lot of guys in the queue. Frank, let's move on to another uh, subject. Uh, H&M Landing just hosted what was advertised as the Battle of the Branches. And I have talked with Chuck Taft. I've talked with Steve Taft. I've talked with Bobby. I've talked with Rick Scott. They were involved in it. And to the man, they say that it was absolutely one of the most gratifying projects that they've been involved with for a long time. Tell us uh, exactly what that was, what it was, uh, and what it was about. 
Yeah, it truly was in its purest form. It was uh, one of the best events that I've ever been involved with. Battle of the Branches were um, five boats um, hosting all five branches of the military on a one-day tournament offshore. Um, it was just incredible. Top Gun 80 had the Navy on board, Jig Strike, Air Force, Ocean Odyssey, Coast Guard, Legend Army, Excalibur, Marine Corps. And it was just, I mean, just one of the most amazing things. The, the, the event sponsor and beneficiary was Veterans Mobility Projects. And for those that don't know, um, Veterans Mobility Projects um, takes care of active duty veterans, um, Gold Star families, those in transition as well, um, all participated in this tournament. Um, it was just, like I said, there were 135 total between the five boats. Um, and just like I say, it was just in its, in its purest form. I, I, the, the list of sponsors, I always hate to say it's too big to go through, but I, I, I know I'd go into the next commercial break. But it was, um, it was put together in, in, in four months. At first, I didn't think we'd gain that much traction. We had the boats allocated within two weeks' time. It was just amazing, <laughs> truly amazing. Yeah. It was really amazing because hi, hi Frank, it's Wendy. It was really amazing okay. because at first I think Joe started off with three boats, and then he started getting all these phone calls and more phone calls and more people wanted to go. And the next thing you knew, he's like, Wendy, I have five boats. <laughs> You're right, Wendy. Joe, Joe, first when we were when we were wrapping up and weighing fish. You know, I was telling the, the crowd that was there, Joe came in four months ago and sat down, hey, I've got this idea, what do you think? Voyage for Vets was what he'd done the last three years with one boat, and he came in and sat down and said, what do you think, I'm going to try and do this. I thought, well, boy, that's, that's tall order, Joe, for just a couple few months out. And it was just incredible. I mean, it, it really, really was. When, um, when Veterans Mobility Project joined in, um, it, was, it was like opening the floodgates. And it was, um, we've already got commitment from 10 boats for next year. Um, oh, that's awesome. Exactly. And it was, like I said, it was just, it was incredible to see the outpouring from the community, local military. Um, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this visual of the afternoon. And you know how it is. You've done more tournaments than I have. Um, but you know how it is when you, when you, you always try and leave the fish way in for the end and, you know, that way everybody sticks around. You've got a lot of thank yous. Of course, we did that. But we had a couple things to do after the weigh-in, and one of them was to award a mobility scooter to someone, you know, most in need. I couldn't believe the amount of people. There were more people there. There were people from the Point Loma area that were there besides those who participated in the tournament. But it was all over but the shout, and awards had been given out. Jackpots had been done. Everything was done. And everyone stuck around to see who won the scooter. Everyone stuck around to thank everyone else. It was just amazing. It was incredible. Well, you know, everyone was a winner, but who really won? (laughs) 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 I've been turkey hunting. I've been in the mountains, so I'm coming down the mountain right now. So the Army Army got it. Sergio, Sergio's guys got it. The Army got it on board the Legend. So they ended up weighing in a whopping six pounds per million, and they sweat it. Wow. Nice. Very nice. And, uh, Frank, when do they anticipate, if they're going to run this event again, when it'll be, about the same time next year? 
we're going to do it at the same time next year. You know, um, it was Medal of Honor Day. Um, and I think we'll do that. And, and actually, Chuck and I were talking about it um, just that evening after the event. And we may we may move a week. We'll see what happens. But we'd like it to coincide with the week before Day of the Docks 2023. Ah, that would be sweet. Now, yep. hey, uh, yeah. in the few. In the few minutes that we've got left with you, Frank, uh, you have any outstanding reports? Stan and I were talking a little bit about uh, some of the reports that we got from the new Loan and the uh, the Polaris Supreme and uh, Chuck Taft out on the Excalibur and Old Gloria. There seems like there is some movement in these fish. There is, and I, you know, I'd love to brag and boast say that it was um and throw out an h&m score but we were so excited just you know seeing what was going on offshore this weekend we haven't gotten a report from clay on board the old glory but i'll tell you my my phone was blowing up at 4:45 a.m saturday morning and dare i say it was frank lepresti that was texting me just to make sure that i knew that the supreme was on fish so they ended up on, <laughs> yeah they ended up on a little bit of bluefin in the dark and I think at last count, I think they were up in the 80s. I think they're on a three-day, so, uh, but just great. I mean, fantastic, and that fish is under 50 miles, so huge, huge. Yeah, I think start. the report that I that I have, uh, uh, Chuck uh, gave me a call as we were talking about some of the events that were uh, surrounding the Battle of the Branches, and he said the Polaris had about uh, 85, uh, uh, the New Luan had 20, I uh, he was on a, a bunch of fish too, and it seems they're all within a day and a half range. So uh, it looks like uh, maybe they're starting to bite. Yeah, there's no maybe about it. They're biting, so it 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 looks really really good. Now we've got this super system coming through here over the next couple three days. There's a lot of wind packed with it. I was actually just kind of looking at a couple of models for the next five days and we definitely are going to get hit with some weather but this fish has been so resilient uh even though the water is a little bit cooler this fish has stuck around it's done the same thing the last five years um this is a this is a pretty big weather system coming through but um i think it's going to keep us off the water the next you know the next few days in terms of coverage but i was just ecstatic to see that amount of fish biting in that close so we're looking good and i tell you what it couldn't be any better, right? Looking at the price of fuel right now to have these fish, you know, in day, day and a half range, it's, it's a godsend for sure. Well, you know, I was talking about that a little earlier that, you know, the, the fish stayed around. There was some fish that were down south. There was some fish out by the islands and, and that were found, but we just couldn't get there because of the wind factor has been just brutal uh and and putting a bunch of guys out there in that element you know most of the guys want to stay in their bunk and not on the deck and the and then it's just tough fishing but the fish were there and did when frank called you at four in the morning he didn't happen to tell you how big these fish were did he <laughs> yeah oh of course are you kidding me come on man <laughs> guys gotta rub it in yeah yeah they had fish to 150 so, yeah. Oh, um, it sounded like it sounded like at that time a dozen of those fish were were up over a hundred, um, but they did have fish up to 150. So it's huge. Now, it's great. One of the reasons to uh, you know make sure that you go out at least on a day and a half or a two and a half day trip if you are booking next week is that 
as I understand it, a lot of the fish were still caught at night. So uh, it's uh, good to be able to go on that ex- that just a little bit of an extended range trip to give yourself the best crack at those fish. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, if you go on a little bit longer trip, especially fish at that range, you're going to get you're going to get the full experience, right? You're close enough to be able to get in a little bit of a night bite um, on the way out. You've got all day. And then, it, again, if you're close enough, you know, you're going to get a little bit of shot. You're going to get a shot right after sunset. So, um, for sure. I mean, I, I always recommend as long a trip as you can afford to do time-wise this time of year, it's going to be to your benefit. We all know that. Well, not only that, Frank, but the the bookings in general for the rest of the quote-unquote season, I know uh, I've been working uh, with Chuck Taft and trying to get the Excalibur and uh, the Legend on on a few trips. Uh, it the the good dates are for the most part almost gone, and now's the time to book if you can uh, if you if you know what your schedule is going to be. Do not wait. Book now. Do not, and I'm going to throw this shameless promotion out, but H&M's wrapping up March Madness. So if you go to our website, hmlanding.com, scroll down middle of the page, any trip that you book right now for the 22 season, any full day, overnight, day and a half, or day and three quarter, you can get $25 off by applying the code that's on our website. Anything two days or longer, $50 off by applying the code that's on our website. So hmlanding.com, book your 22 trip today and take advantage of this before March 31st. Right. And hey, thank uh, you if the guys Joe, have already have, booked the trip. If you're having a hard time <laughs> trying to find rods and reels and the, at the local dealers uh, because of the fact of the shortages there are right now, uh, stop by at uh, H&M, talk to Danny Wade over there because you guys have the best selection of gear that guys can take out and rent. If you're only going to go out one or two times, it is absolutely the way to go. And everything's in sterling condition and just waiting for you to come and pick up. So make sure you stop by to see Danny. Absolutely. No, Danny and Nate. Don't forget Nate, too. He's right there alongside of Danny. And there are no supply chain issues at H&M. We are stocked and ready for the season. All right. Hey, Frank, we're going to have to let you go. Uh, thanks a lot for putting up with some of the glitches in the beginning. I think we uh, you did a great job in informing our listeners on what's happened with the carb issue, uh, the Battle of the Branches, and what we're looking forward to in 2022. Uh, let's check in with you again a little bit down the line to, to see how some of our predictions have uh, worked out and I can't thank you enough for being with us. Thank you all. I appreciate it. And I want to thank all your listeners. Without their help, we could never have had, uh, we never could have moved the mountain that we needed to move on this carb issue. So thank you all. We'll talk soon. All right. Frank thank Rossetti, you, Frank. Uh, he is the uh, operating partner at H&M Landing. So, hey, we're going to take a break right now. But coming up next, owner-operator of the Ocean Odyssey, Rick Scott is going to be with us, so stay tuned. We're still coming up with more after these messages. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. 
we put together a staff of experts that will help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all major brands. And if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers the passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. 
Iser Line makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iser Line tools and accessories. Iser Line premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Dan Vandenberg and Wendy Toshihara and I, myself, we welcome you back to the show, and Wendy... I want to welcome you to the show. You came aboard uh, through the uh, during the interview with Frank. Uh, uh, hope you're still with us, and welcome back, ma'am. Why, thank you. I was uh, over in uh, Paso Robles and then stopped on over to Lake Nacimiento, did a little turkey hunting and a little fishing, and I'm on my way back home. So tell well, me you that know, you used your turkey call from Roland Martin. Talking with you, I don't think we'll be able to get any fishing in because he's one of a heck of a hunter himself. He's the owner-operator of the Ocean Odyssey, Captain Rick Scott. Captain Rick, how you doing tonight, sir? Great. Good evening, John. Good evening, Wendy. How are you? Good. And Rick, uh, also Stan Vandenberg's with us. But, uh, Rick, if you've got any uh, turkey uh uh, suggestions for Wendy. Uh, you got anything you can lay on her to maybe help out? She knows what she's doing. <laughs> I got my turkey, John. <laughs> what? Patience. Got... Patience is the key. Yeah, What's you that? know, we had a lot of turkeys around us. They were calling all over the place. It was it was a lot of fun. So, Wendy, the, the question is, did you use your new Roland Martin turkey call? I did use my new Roland Martin turkey call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen, uh, uh, Turkey Talk starts at 6 p.m. here on uh, Radio Zion. So let's get back to Captain Rick Scott from the Ocean Odyssey. Rick, you know, we just had uh, Frank Hersetti on. He was uh, commenting on the new ruling that has come down with uh, for emissions uh, when it comes to, you know, our recreational vessels. I know that has to affect you and the Ocean Odyssey. Uh, it's got to be one big sigh of relief in a way of knowing that you can c- continue to go. How is that ruling, though, going to affect the Ocean Odyssey? Uh, it's actually uh, great for the actually the whole fleet, you know, and I'd like to give uh, a big uh, kudos to uh, Ken, uh, Frank Rossetti, Ken, uh, Frankie, all, everybody at SAC and all that were involved in the process and uh, we're able to get that through. But yeah, we uh, we currently have tier two engines, so it sounds like we will have to put tier three engines in, which um, is not a big deal. But if we definitely would have had to go to tier four, that would have been a problem because everybody knows that uh, they are not in existence yet. So that they did a great job um, and uh, a lot of respect to those guys for uh, going to bat for us and uh, getting that handled. You know, Frank kind of glossed over it during the uh, the interview, but the amount of legwork that these guys put out, Ken Frankie and Frank Rossetti and the attorneys and the architects and everything like that, 
to get together all this information that they can could take and offset the models that the staff of CARB had originally come up with was basically Herculean, and uh, the turnaround was something. And uh, I've got to I've got to say I'm sure these guys had eggs on, egg on their face when they came along and found out how misinformed they were, but they're they're politicians. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, you know they that, that happens in a lot of. Uh situations in our business whether it's uh, fish regulations or things like this for the air but yeah they, uh, we don't know where they get their their, their information from but uh, from what we see most of the time their information is not correct so we were able to put put the team together uh, give them the real information this time and uh, and change their mind so it worked out great all right well let's talk a little bit about the ocean odyssey because i know the boat just uh fairly recently came out of dry dock. Did, uh, did you do anything with it in the off season? And uh, I know before you start going out uh, after these uh, fish, you've got another great program you're doing. So why don't you handle both questions? Yeah, we did just did the normal maintenance stuff on the boat this year. Uh, hauled out for a little bit, uh, did a little painting, a little varnishing, and uh, got it back in the water. To kick off what we do in the wintertime, which is our school program, we have a contract with the county to do uh, marine biology classes. And we've got uh, mainly second to fifth graders that come out on the boat uh, for a four-hour class. They do a little biology class. But, you know, we get we do get some, some younger kids, and uh, we do get a few high school and college kids that come out and uh, go through the program with us. And, I think we put. Well, I, I know you're up. showing people. You're showing the kids what what's on the bottom of the bay and outside. So, can I ask you what was the most unique thing you found this year, organically speaking, that uh, uh, everyone seemed to be amazed at? Um, this year, probably the sea hare, which we haven't been catching a bunch of those. Which is a a slug, purple slug, uh, gets to be about the size of a large. Uh, Grapefruit, and and uh, when it gets upset, it, it it squirts purple ink. But you know, we catch all kinds of stuff here in the bay. People don't know that we have here in San Diego Bay. Um, a couple years ago, we had uh, a lot of seahorse. We caught quite a few, over a hundred. And uh, it, it's just really neat to see the the looks on the kids' face when they see something unusual come out of the water. But we catch uh, we caught a big collegiate ray the other day. We we catch bat rays course stingrays lobsters all kinds of different shrimp crabs um and then of course all your bottom fish that live here in the bay the halibut which is a big one hornhead turbots uh diamond turbots and uh, midshipmen just all, all, all different kinds of fish people don't don't realize the, the, the diversity of the, the bay here and different areas what kind of fish live in here yeah it's standing windy how neat would it have been as a kid if we could have gone out on a boat like the Ocean Odyssey and dredged up the bottom and come up with something that squirted purple ink? Would that have been absolutely fantastic? It sure would have. You know, I'd have stayed. I'd have stayed longer in school if they had that, and you could get a letter in bass fishing. One of the two. I'd probably still be in college. Come to think of it. Hey, Rick, uh, the other thing you were to be congratulated on was 
you guys just finished up the Battle of the Branches there. The Ocean Odyssey was uh, part of that. Uh, uh, tell us uh, what your part was and how did it turn out? Uh, it was great. We took uh, we had the Coast Guard on our boat and uh, went out and had beautiful weather, uh, caught some bottom fish. Everybody had a great time. Uh, we had a couple kids on the boat. I don't think they had been fishing before and got to catch their first fish, and we just had a really good time. But it was really neat to see how all the, the branches got together, the <clears throat> camaraderie, and some of them not so much camaraderie, but you know, it was a lot of hassling each other and just having a good time. It was great. So we look forward to next year. And it sounds like we're going to have uh, – we had five boats this year, and it sounds like we may have 12 or 14 boats next year. So I think it's going to be a good time. Oh, that is fantastic. Stuff. Now, we've got 2022. we got a season ahead of us. Tell us the types of trip that, that the Ocean Odyssey is going to be running, and, uh, you know, how's best to get a hold of you guys? We mainly do day and a half, two and a half day trips um, out of H&M Landing, of course. Uh, targeting your bluefin, yellowfin, dorado, yellowtail. And it looks like we're going to have another really good bluefin year. So they're already already here or have been here. And uh, when the water warms up, of course, the yellowfin and dorado will show up. But uh, our schedule is up online. You can log on to Ocean Odyssey Fishing com look right online there book online don't have to speak to anybody or if you have any questions dean is always there to answer the phone at 619-889-4535 and if you will just briefly uh rick uh tell us uh uh what the ocean odyssey is like what's some of the specifications that we'd be interested in when knowing about the ocean odyssey it's a very comfortable boat 85 feet um, has two bunk rooms, one in the forward, one in the aft. Um, the rear bunk room is very large. Um, we've got a, a lot of people that like that bunk room. It has a storage facility in the center, so you don't have to put your bag in your bunk. You can put it in the little cubby in the center of the boat and just uh, sleep by yourself in your bunk. we got curtains on all the bunks. All bunk rooms are air-conditioned. And a uh, large galley, we have uh, great meals. Uh, we always have a good chef on the boat hold uh, about 200 scoops of bait and uh, a large uh, fish hole that sprays chilled water on the fish. So we're, we're set up. Of course, we got side scanning sonar and, and all the, the good electronics on the boat. So uh, we're looking forward to the season. And, you know, uh, what type of uh, capacities are you going to be going out with this year? So uh, on our year? day and a half, we put 29 people. The boat will sleep 40, but we limit it to 29. And then on two and a half day trips, we limit it to 25. So limited load, limited load boat. And uh, aren't uh, COVID protocols in a way certainly still in effect where uh, on Ocean Odyssey, do you bring your own uh, blankets and pillows? Uh, are you still doing that? Yeah, me and Dina were discussing that the other day. Um as of right now, yes, still bring your own pillow, your own blanket, but keep your eye open. That may change here before we start running in June. Um, if things lessen up even more, we may get back to get, be able to put the, the pillows and the blankets on for everybody. And of course, you can always bring your own also and uh, just have an extra blanket uh, to, go, to go on your bunk. Yeah, now, when do you change from uh, the uh, – uh, the program that you've got going with the uh, the kids right now to actually going out and going after fish, uh, Rick? The last school trip we have is, uh, I think, May 31st. And then uh, we do uh, two more weeks of boat work, get the boat really freshened up uh, 
for the season and start running mid mid June. I think uh, the 14th or the 17th we we start running our trips. Wow, you know that's going to be right around the corner. We're looking at the end of March right now, so uh, yeah. I I know what you're doing with the kids has to be really satisfying, but you also have to be kind of biting at the bit to go offshore. Of course, when there's fish out there, I, I always want to be out there fishing. So, and uh, seems like those fish for the last couple of years haven't gone away. But I got to take a break in the winter time and uh, enjoy what I do, you know, the, the hunting and, and that type of stuff. So, but yeah, looking at uh, looking forward to getting back out there this year and uh, catching a bunch of fish. Sounds good. One more time, uh, how's the best way to get a hold of you to find out what the schedule is for the Ocean Odyssey and how to get aboard? Uh, OceanOdysseyFishing.com. Um, again, the schedule's on there. Or Dina at 619-889-4535. All right. Rick, thanks a lot for spending some time with us, and we wish you much success in the 2022 season. And and if you will, let us check in with you from time to time just to find out exactly how it's doing. All right. Well, thanks, John. It's always a pleasure to, to come on the radio with you. Yeah, you can check back anytime, and uh, we're more than happy to to tell you what I know. Right. Sounds good. Hey, that's Rick Scott, owner-operator of Ocean Odyssey out of H&M Lending. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, the champion of the Lake Mojave uh, Laughlin Open is going to be with us. We're going to find out. Stan and I have been talking about how good Lake Mojave had been fishing. We're going to find out exactly how well it did fish. So stay tuned because Justin Kerr is going to be with us. We'll be back after these messages. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Since being established in 2015, CCA has achieved great success for the entire sport fishing industry in the fight for our right to fish here in California. 2021 brought us plenty of success, but every year brings new battles, and we need your help. One of the best ways to help support CCA Cal is to join us and become a member, because strength is certainly in our numbers. Become a member today by logging on to joincca.org. Membership starts at $35 per year, and that is one of the best ways to help us while you go fishing. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, 
He wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait. Hey, Bass Fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262, or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free, and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart, the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we welcome you back to the second hour of Raw and Real Radio. Well, this past week, Western Outdoor News put on what they call the Laughlin Open. It was uh, probably one of the uh, largest uh, pro events to hit Lake Mojave in a long time. You know, Lake Mojave, there was a time when that was not considered one of uh, the better fishing compounds here in the West. But there was a group of fishermen that went out here this last week and Prove that wrong with a capital P. So let me introduce to you the winner of that event, and let's find out what road he took in order to get to that victory. Mr. Justin Kerr from Lake Havasu City. Justin, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Justin. Congratulations, little brother. That's pretty cool stuff, bud. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got uh, pretty fortunate this week, and... Uh, things went my way, so it was good. Oh, great. You know, Justin, when when Billy announced that he was working with the people there at, at Laughlin to, to put on an event on Lake Mojave, did, 
did that pique your interest right away, or did you have to kind of be sold on it at first? Oh no, yeah. I, I since I moved to Lake Havasu, uh, man, it's been uh, twelve, thirteen years now. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, I started going up there, and you know, I'd heard that smallmouth fishing had gotten good, and and uh, that's a a true statement. A smallmouth that took took over that whole entire lake. Obviously, there's uh, still big largemouth in there, but the smallmouth dominant dominate that place and. Uh, when he put that on the schedule, I saw that, and uh, there's, you know, I, I fish a lot of tournaments up there, and I do pretty well, so I was pretty excited. The only thing I was bummed about is the time of year, usually the wind blows, you know, uh, six out of seven days at Mojave, and it blows, it blows hard, and it's a, it's a lake that runs uh, south and north, so it just rolls. If it's north, it's six, seven foot down at the bottom of that basin, so I was kind of worried about that, thinking, hey, maybe he's only going to have, you know, like a one- or two-day tournament. But we got super fortunate, and the wind hit before, and it was actually the calmest two days, the last two days of fishing I think I've ever been on Lake Mojave. So it was uh, really wow. incredible. So, You know, in the days of yore, back in when I first started fishing in tournaments, yep. in, in the pros, it was like 78 to 82, whatever it is, 83. And there we were fishing – Mojave was one of the the main lakes that we fished, and the largemouth, right. you know, five and six pound fish were really common and even bigger. Mm-hmm. But then right. it, that thing came around, and and the the it we had a fishing fall off with the the large fish were taken out a lot of them, a lot of the lakes. And then now, you know, the with the advent of the smallmouth fishery coming all the way from Powell down into Havasu, and mm-hmm. and seeing the transition, it's been great. Yeah, yeah uh, it's been it's been awesome. Justin, why what do you think is attributed to the explosion of the uh, uh smallmouth population there and the fact that not only there's smallmouth there but there are some very large smallmouth there. Yeah, so I um, I think it has all a lot to do with uh the whole, you know, river chain of uh, having the quagga mussels and clearing up the water so much. And smallmouth are such huge sight feeders, and we've always known Lake Mead, Lake Mojave, Lake Havasu have always been clear water fisheries, but now it's being so clear all the time, never any stain, very rare, is makes it a smallmouth paradise. And the, the amount of food, obviously, when you have the quagga mussel is at the bottom of the food chain, everything's, you know, eating these things, and I, I just, everything's just super healthy, and that fishery is is probably the best fishery on the chain besides maybe Yuma down in the bottom of uh, the Colorado River. Wow. But for really? smallmouth, it's number one. So, Justin, have you made – do you have to make a line size adjustment for this? Uh, no, not really. Um, it, you know, I, it, I fish, you know, between 6 and 12 pounds. Nothing like, you know, out of the ordinary, like Havasu, I use some four-pound a lot just because the pressure of uh, fishing pressure is, you know, huge. And there we do have fishing pressure, and we do have tournaments at Mojave a lot, but the wind, like I said, blows so much, it keeps just the average guy off the water a lot. And, I mean, you, no one wants to go out there in five- and six-foot waves just to, you know, drive around the corner and go into one cove, and then you call it, call it a day, so... I think, you know, there you don't necessarily need to use it. I was using from, you know, 6 to 20 pound, actually. I was using 20 pound on some beds and some braided line on beds. And, um, 
you know, down to six pound on my uh, finesta. You know, what what Justin was talking about on the lake where you're, if you travel from the bottom of the lake by the dam of Catherine's Landing and you, and you start going up the lake, you've got kind of a high rock walls on both sides and it opens up into what they call the basin at the bottom, Mm -hmm. southern, the southern end where in it at the north is end of the basin is, is, uh, Cottonwood, another landing that's up there, and then you can go up north all the way up into where the uh, Colorado River comes in through the bottom of Mead. But that big basin, when you leave, yeah. if you go up north and you got to come down through that, it can be <laughs> what I would call a challenge <laughs> to get yes. up and down yes. in. Yes, very much so. It, it, like I said, it can be just a you know twenty mile an hour wind makes that place just. I mean not wanting to drive back down into it. Like you said, that's, that's how that place is. And it, like I said, it runs a long way. And, um, obviously where it narrows down, you know, up above Cottonwood up to Willow beach is another about 30 miles or 25 miles from Cottonwood to Willow beach. And that's all canyons and, and it's pretty protected. And it's a, it's a beautiful landscape that people probably never been to and don't realize how, what's there. And it's just with the crystal clear water, being able to see down 35 feet there, 30 feet, no problem. It's just, there's a whole different fishery. So it's uh, unique and it's a, uh, it's a fun place to go. Well, Justin, how did you greet the news that uh, the national park service came along and as a provision of uh, one's permit to uh, fish that lake, basically it said, Hey, uh, these two days are going to be closed to fishing. And those two days happened to be the official pre-fish days of the tournament so a lot of people came from a long way didn't have a chance to pre-fish it how how did you greet that news uh you know obviously first yeah we've been dealing with this uh park service closures and for someone like me that makes uh my you know living doing that um it's kind of rough on me because i mean i don't think they know the whole concept of you know they're obviously looking for safety which everybody understands no one wants to get injured nobody wants to have problems but um, you know, I don't think they really understand the dynamics behind it between fishing tournaments and guys that want to fish. And if you can't fish tournaments because they close it down for, you know, 20 mile an hour wind that hits at three o'clock in the afternoon, which, you know, we've all fished for, you know, forever and it's beautiful till two or three, then it's, you, you, you make the adjustments and you get, you get back safe. And, um, I, I just don't think they know that, you know, meaning the guys will fish tournaments for a living, you know, if you can't fish tournaments, people aren't going to buy boats, which doesn't buy tackle, which goes on and on and on. So I don't think they know per se the extremities behind that of on my aspect, but for them, for the safety, yeah, it's great. And, you know, for me going into the tournament, not allowing guys to fish before the tournament uh, because of the wind is, is was even better for like me and Tim Klinger because we know the lake so well. Um, you just make the adjustments during the tournament, seeing what the fish are doing. And, and, uh, you know, for me, it was okay, but, you know, I feel bad for those guys that did drive, you know, and didn't get the fish because who wants to do that when you put the money up to fish against local guys and never even been to the lake and it's a big place and there's a lot of places to go. So, you know, hopefully next year things will change a little bit with the, you know, park services and, uh, uh, we'll be able to still fish. So, um, you know, hopefully that that goes smooth next year. Wow! Well, well they just and, put it, change the date, and put it a little later on. Not so yeah, much in the beginning. A little beginning bit later, like yeah, the it was maybe mid-April. 
But still, like like I said, the park service is shutting it down. If it says it's going to blow 25 at, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they say that you can't go fishing for the day. So um, oh, well. it's still going to, I mean, it's still windy up there all the time, like Lake Mead and, and Lake Havasu. We get wind a lot. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, like I said, I understand, you know, you wake up in the morning, you get down on the ramp, and it's blowing 25 or 30 miles an hour. Yeah, you cancel a tournament. You know, I mean, that's the way it should be. But not when you wake up and it's, you know, calm till two in the afternoon, they still cancel. So, um, like I said, I hopefully things change and I, I just don't think they, they have the, I think tournament directors all need to get together and go in and, and talk to these people about it because I don't think they understand that, which also tournament circuits have, you know, that's why they pay the insurances for, for the situations for that, you know, not, you know, not having that. Yeah, I understand, but you know, like I said, I hopefully that changes and allows guys to fish and um, because we'll start getting less and less people in tournaments and you can't show up and fish because of the wind. So, um, you know, for me on that aspect, when that's how I make my living, I hope it changes for sure. Well, but Tim, it helped me at this one for sure. It did help me for sure. So, Well, tell us about your strategy. <laughs> you had no pre-fish. You, had to probably, you probably had a plan put together that you uh, – the time that you were off there, that uh, you worked out. What did you? Uh, what was your strategy, and how did it work out for you? Uh, yeah, strategy. Um, you know, it's pretty simple this time of year. Obviously, there's a lot of bed fish, and uh, the first day that was kind of my game plan to stay in the community areas that guys that are locals there and stuff know where there's a lot of you know fish that you know tend to use the same general areas there. Um, so I stayed in those general areas and picked off as many bed fish as I could the first day. And uh, I fished a little bit in the afternoon, and my actually my my co, and that's a big thing in one bass. Obviously, you have your co is a shared weight format, and to utilize that guy, um, most of the time, you know, the way I fish, I move pretty fast, and I I'm all over the place. So a lot of times, like guys don't catch fish behind me. So trying to adapt behind me is a different thing. And the guy the first day adapted pretty well, and he decided to throw on a senko and the last hour of the day of you know five inch senko and just throw it out behind the boat where while i was bed fishing he caught two fish that i would I never called so uh having that you know two fish in the whole tournament by your co-anglers is a huge thing and uh when you you know have a shared weight format so having that stay in the common you know common areas the first day and and utilizing my co-angler uh just to see how the lake was fishing and see what was going on was was huge and then the next day i just adapted to that where you know i that used the same general areas and and uh picked as many as i could off bed fishing and then i'd go to areas where there was less people and uh just fish and i just uh figured out a little a little jig bite i had a little jig bite a little ica bite and uh a couple on a drop shot and i just moved around till i'd find another little area that had some more fish where less people were and and uh i'd fish so um, I sight fished probably half the weight that I caught, and the rest were just fishing. So I gotta, you know, I gotta ask you, I gotta ask a question. <laughs> Go so first day, maybe even the second day. I mean, the basin, mm-hmm. the big basin, is got lots of shoreline and lots of opportunity, uh, and then you've got a little basin above Cottonwood that has kind of the same opportunity, but not mm-hmm. not as giant utilizing both of the where you did you stay down south one day or 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 go up north one day and then stay south how do you how did you present that one so so each day i started south 
and uh, I'd start like mid-south, not not really where the basin was, but a little bit down, a little bit south, I'd start, yep, and yep. Uh, I'd go all from there, I'd fish there till about 9 or 10 each day, and then I'd go all the way up past Cottonwood and fish up past Cottonwood for, um, you know, the next couple miles up, and uh, I'd fish that in the afternoon, and then I'd work my, when I'd about two o'clock, I'd give myself another couple, you know, I had about four o'clock weigh-ins the last couple of days. So I gave myself another hour or two south, so I didn't spend the best time of the day running. I'd spend it fishing. So I'd ran south and, uh, you know, fished my af- afternoons back south. And each day, if it panned out, um, I'd catch one, you know, four to five pounder late in the day uh, down south, where, like I said, if I would have been running from up there, who knows, I would have maybe not caught another good one and I'd have been running back to the you know ramp instead of fishing so during the best time you know obviously you know Stan knowing that early in the year uh, even during the spawn a little bit per se the late in the day is bite is always the best you know just when it gets the warmest and and the fish move up so I think that was a big key for me it happened it it happens when when these you get cooler mornings and you know and and uh, and then as a as it warms up during the day, the, the bigger fish will move up, especially after there's a little bit of color on the water. Maybe you got mud lines and whatever else. They'll move up right into the mud line. And they'll move up, especially the spawning size fish where where he's in. Mm-hmm. He's in a transition between the big basin and, and some of the more cliff areas where he's fishing. But it just makes sense because those big fish come up in the afternoon and start to whether it's feeding getting ready for the evening or just warm up uh they'll Mm -hmm. stay in cooler water down below come up but that afternoon bite even even in the fish the tournament that i fished this weekend it was from from one o'clock to three o'clock the fishing was the best so Mm -hmm. that's not an uncommon thing when we're fishing for these pre-spawn or even spawning fish right yeah yeah, yeah, how were you sure. positioned after the first day, and did you feel like going into the second day that you had a winning pattern, or did you have to kind of tweak it a little bit? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously the first day, like I said, my co-angler bailed me out because uh, me, I had a rough, rough day, and usually at Mojave I can catch, you know, 18 to 25 pounds pretty commonly at this time of year, and um, I struggled, you know, and I didn't know, like I said, him bailing me out. And I was like, man, I, I, you know, without this guy, I only have 17 pounds. So tomorrow, like, you know, I'm not anticipating the guy to catch anything usually. And, and, you know, they, cause they don't fish with me, you know, obviously you have a team partner, they're used to fishing with you, but when you have someone new, they, they're not used to fishing with me and it makes it tough for him. And I'm like, man, I don't know if they're going to get bit. So if they don't catch a fish, man, what am I going to have 13 or 14? You know, and I just happened to find fine tune it. You know, obviously in the morning, I at the end of the first day, I saw some good ones, so I started in that area, and uh, I was managed to catch one in the morning, and uh, that kind of set me for the day. Where okay, you know, now I kind of see what's going on a little bit, and I just worked real hard, and uh, you know, I ended up catching twenty two something uh, the second day, and uh, then I felt well. The third day, at least I kind of understand what's going on and where I need to be at the certain times. And, you know, that's that's pretty much how I used that that third day was just, uh, you know, be the, the right time. And we did. We we were 
if if we would have landed our fish, my co-angler uh, the, the second day um, uh, lost one about six and one about four. Oh, and it was it was the he lost the biggest smallmouth I saw all week. So put it that way, and I caught a bunch of five pounders, and he had the biggest one on I seen all week, and he pulled off, and then he lost another four pounder about ten minutes after that. And, uh, you know, I'm like, why can't I get those bites? And I'm thinking to myself, why can't I get at those bites? And then I got a bite and I lost it. So I told him, hey, man, it's no big deal. Like, I, they're just biting real weird right now, you know, and for some reason they don't come off. And I mean, I lost it fighting it for five minutes. And then, you know, it was a four pounder and I lost that one. And then maybe 20 minutes later, I lost another four pounder. And, and I switched hooks and did everything I needed to do. And I'm like, man, I, I can't be down on you. Both of us have lost, you know, before noon and I had lost probably. You know, with the I had one good one in there, so I figured we would have had 24 or so, you know, 23 pounds by noon. I'm like, well, we lost the tournament, you know, and and I ended up, like I said, I, it was early enough where I had a four o'clock weigh-in still, or four four forty weigh-in that, you know, I could, you know, salvage the day still with four hours if I go to the right area. You know, I'll get a couple bites, and I went to the right area, and you know, I caught back-to-back fives, and then. uh I caught one about four on a bed on my way in south. Like I said, I'd swing south with about 45 minutes left to fish to give myself an opportunity, and I found one on a bed late in the day, and uh, I caught that one. It was a four. So, like I said, I didn't still didn't think I'd won the tournament with even with 21 pounds. I figured these guys were still going to catch 21, 22 pounds uh, the last day, but those fish kind of left the beds and. Uh, that's what everyone was talking about. And like me, not really having too many bed fish going per se, I had some, but not a ton. And I spent my majority of the day fishing the last day. I think that's what saved me and getting those bites early, knowing that, that we did get bit early to have 24 pounds. So if I keep doing it, you know, maybe I can get a couple in the afternoon, like, like we said, late in the day bites. So, uh, that's what happened. And, uh, like I said, I was super fortunate. Interesting. So just curious here, because I've got a, an ongoing thing here, mm-hmm. your, your non-boater unbuttoned a bunch and, or, or a couple and you unbuttoned a couple, what style of mm-hmm. fishing were you doing to unbutton those fish? What were you fishing? Uh, I lost one on Ica, which on 16 pound. Wow. Uh, That's which weird. Hurt, really, which is, doesn't happen. And, uh, no. He lost both of his on a drop shot, and I lost one on a drop shot. So three drop shot. And last day, they bit the drop shot the best, um, I think, just with all the pressure. And like I said, I think they kind of backed off the bed a little bit. And uh, I ended up catching, you know, 80% of them the last day on the drop shot. So, uh, you know, we lost three on a drop shot and one on an Ica. Interesting, interesting, interesting. For my style, well, because I talked to everybody that bass fishes in the West. My business said 800 bass boat. All the guys call for all kinds of reasons, but we're intertwined. We all fish tournaments. We all talk and we're all friends. But the the fish that have unbuttoned and that this is across the board. This is a last year, last couple of years, everything has been, you know, way ahead of time this year everything is behind schedule uh, on the fish on the spawning but Mm -hmm. across the board and this is all the way up to clear lake down to san diego and over to Havasu. apparently i mean over to mojave guys are losing fish left and right including me Uh, they come unbuttoned my first two fish yesterday came unbuttoned the the and and 
in every tournament, the guys are complaining about fish coming on button, even on open hooks on, on a drop shot. So uh, that's an interesting scenario. Hearing this from you, it's it's mm-hmm. not just here; it's over there too. And I don't know why that is. There, there's no explanation at all. Just how they're holding it in the mouth, I don't know. But that's a a weird scenario that. Even on Mojave, you're losing them on an open hook and a drop shot. And Ica, when you set the hook on those things, you're fishing heavier line and a bigger hook. Mm-hmm. They don't come on. They just don't come off. So that's pretty weird. Well, yeah, Justin, think, isn't, uh, isn't sorry, it the nature of the beast with smallmouth that even though it's heartbreaking, you got to be kind of like mentally prepared that you're not going to get them all because uh, more than any other species of bass, uh, you can unbutton them uh, uh, a lot easier than you can a lot of the other species. Yes, yeah. So, you know, absolutely with them smallmouth, it's, uh, you know, sometimes a game like that. But knowing, like for me, knowing how many I've caught and the system that's worked up there for me for so long, and, man, it's like, how do they, how are they coming off? They never come off like this. And I think, (laughs) I think... I think it is what it is. It's obviously early in the year, the winter time to early in the year, the bass are always so finicky. And I just think the amount of pressure with everybody fishing these days, more people are fishing right now than ever. And I just think that fish have seen so many lures are a little more skeptical on biting. And, you know, obviously having that pre-spawn, uh, spawning their winter time, they're always finicky, finicky, finicky. So I think just, they're just not, you know, really biting. So you just, you just don't get good hooks in them. And, you know, it's just, it's the way it is. And, you know, like for me, like my whole thing is to be perfect in every tournament that I can. Cause usually if you're perfect, I'm going to get the bites. I'll win the tournament. And to lose the fish that wins the tournament, obviously when you do that for a living, it's, it just costs you. I mean, it's your whole livelihood. So it's, it hurts me a lot, and I've, uh, you know, I've lost a lot of tournaments and not being perfect, and, um, you know, like the classic for that that matter last year, I'll never get that out of my head after uh, losing them the day day one and looking back, well, you know, if I'd have landed those fish, I'd win the classic, and, you know, Hank Cherry never loses a bass, and he wins. This year, Jason Christie never loses a bass, he wins, you know, so, um, you know, having that and being perfect and, a lot of these guys are so good and they spend so much time with preparation. Um, you know, they've worked all those bugs out and, you know, maybe me, I got to, you know, still learn a couple things of, you know, changing my setups to, to be perfect. And, you know, um, you know, it's obviously it's always a learning game. That's the beauty of bass fishing and everybody loves, you know, learning uh, for the day and seeing how they're biting. So, you know, hopefully, you know, I can uh, get a little better and, start landing more bass because like i said i the the third day i lost those fish i told them oh this is probably the 10th or 12th tournament big giant tournament i've lost in my life and then i ended up winning the tournament because i kept going but you know usually you don't win the tournament when you lose fish that's just how it works so justin you know uh, i gotta uh, ask you to stay with us a little bit longer we got to take a commercial break right now sure yeah, hey, uh, yeah, we'll... Stan, Wendy, and I, we are speaking with Justin Curry. He is the champion of the Laughlin Open that was on uh, Lake Havasu just this past week. So stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Hi, 
This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Rod Reel Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. Well, Stan, Wendy, and I, we welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Our special guest this hour is the 
Lake Mojave, Havasu, Open Champion, Justin Kerr. And Justin, thanks a lot again for being with us, sir. Hey, no problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Good. You know, we had <laughs> talked about uh, how good Lake Mojave was fishing. And mm -hmm. in looking at the standings, I think it was the top six teams brought in or the top, the top six pros registered a weight of 60 pounds or over, which is not mm -hmm. too bad of a deal. But in talking with a lot of these guys, we've been talking about automatic release and or fish becoming unbuttoned. Uh, mm -hmm. Was everyone experiencing the uh, the same type of effect? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, obviously, like we talked about with smallmouth, uh, guys lose them, you know, uh, and, you know, that place, like I said, you're getting a lot of bites. Uh, a day and uh you know you're going to lose them and i'm sure a lot of guys lost a lot of big fish i mean there's stories you know every day of that so you know not just me but other guys too and i'm sure you know other guys that uh would have moved them way up with you know a couple five pounders i'm sure oh you know the uh, cool thing i i've known justin since he started fishing i think <laughs> yeah so yeah. and and he was yeah. a part of our posse here and uh, i mean I actually told him get rid of his partner, start fishing alone. He's really, really good, um, and he is a friend, you know. But we've mm -hmm. fished against each other, around each other for years, and and he's yep. he's very, very, very talented, man. And to, to you know, the cool part is we can we can talk at any point in time if he's at the open, or whatever else we we can make contact and yak, you know, because we all it's kind of a brotherhood out there of the group of guys that fish around and against each other you get guys when they're on the tour like that and they're fishing against each other and they'll all talk when they get back in the launch ramp they're losing fish the smallmouth has a really hard mouth and the mm -hmm. lips are because they eat crawdads all year long yeah, um, yeah, except yeah, for when the crawdads them. go away and then the, when the shad go away they go down deep and or they die off and then the fish have to come up with what are they going to eat a lot of the time it turns to sculpin and mm -hmm. and that sculpin bite is what they call the guys sometimes call it a rubber band bite or the mush bite because you don't feel the fish eat uh, it's it's you lift up and there's weight and either you identify it or they they spit it and it's gone and a lot of time that's what's happening with this fishing now um, the sculpin it just sits on a little rock with its little tail out and it does it hops to another rock and sits there and the fish come up real easily and slurp them and it's not like they got a crush crawdad or catch the shad it's moving these fish don't move they just sit on the top of a rock and they slurp them so when when the bite happens and that's i think what's happening now with a lot of the guys the transition is late this year um mm -hmm. for the for the uh spawn and and you lift up and either the fish is there and you feel them and you're, you can get them hooked up or you don't. Um, that seems to kind of be the program that we've been on, but you know, you said you, you, uh, you unbuttoned a few and, mm -hmm. and, uh, it was that on the drop shot that they came on, button? oh, you did say that yeah, on the Ica even. Yeah, and that's one on really a, I weird. One on drop shot. And then the first day I lost one on a bed on, braid with a four-aught hook and i mean i drilled it <laughs> and uh it pulled off so you know it's like you know that was a big a big one the first day and then uh i lost one on a hair jig the second day that was over four so you know it's it's 
you know, it's just what it's the nature of the beast, I think, with the smallmouth, like you said. And I, but, you know, for me and, you know, most guys, there's a lot of guys out there, I'm telling you, and they're, they're perfect all the time. They don't lose a fish. And those are usually the, you know, the best of the best. And then and that's proven why they are the best of the best. Well, let's just talk a little bit about the smallmouth, uh, Justin, mm-hmm. at least as you see it. You had mentioned the Parker Strip. Excellent yep. smallmouth compound yep. and a fun place to go fish them. Havasu has really excelled. Mojave mm-hmm. is just giant smallmouth. Mm-hmm. What is happening with that you can see with at Lake Mead? Because really, the thought is most of these started at Lake Mead, yet Lake Mead just seems to be retarded when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, what's happening with these fish. Yeah, Lake Powell has, has them too. And when Powell was high, this was about eight or nine years ago, the smallmouth fishing was phenomenal. And since the lakes dropped, I, I've been told that it's not as good. I mean, obviously there's still a bunch in there and, it, and they catch them pretty good, but not like it was eight years ago. And I think Lake Mead is just one of those places that I think the fish, uh, obviously now with no cover, that lake, needs cover to bring them shallow and having no cover in that lake they just roam uh out in the middle of water column they just swim chasing bait i think for you know 80 or 90 percent of the year until they have to come to spawn i think they just swim out there and they just migrate and swim out in the middle and you never see them and uh that's why they're real you know skinny and lean because they're always chasing food it's just a different I think they rely a lot on, you know, uh, shad at Lake Mead a lot more than I think the other places. Maybe the, the crawdad population is not as good or uh, bluegill population uh, isn't as good, you know, during the winter months to keep them up shallow. Like Lake Havasu, Lake Mojave, a lot of those bluegill, they live in, um, you know, less than 12 feet in the big rocks. And we have a lot more like river style rocks on Lake Havasu. Obviously, the Parker Strip is a river. Uh, Mojave has a lot of this river rock. And I think a lot of the, uh, you know, forage lives in those crevices of the rocks. And Lake Mead just doesn't have that. We just have, you know, you have shelves and sand. Those are shelves and sand. And, you know, it's just, it's a different fishery. And I think that's why the smallmouth haven't taken off as good there. Um you know, they were doing pretty good when the water was high and the brush was in the water. They were adapting to the shallow water. I think, you know, obviously the food was staying, you know, a lot more shallow. And, uh, you know, for a couple of years, you know, you could catch, uh, I remember in the fall, I caught, uh, I think almost 19 pounds of smallmouth with Jay in a team tournament at Lake Mead wow. in uh, September. So, and that was probably five years ago. So, um, you know, the lakes go through the transition, you know, and I just think that some of these lakes, their transitions are just different. You know, the population's so good and they thrive there that when they do have a little down cycle, it's, it's not affected or seen as much as, you know, other places like Lake Mead or Lake Powell and uh, so forth. I would well, imagine the, thing, the water I think level the really, then, the problem uh, is, is really an Havasu issue because uh, on the Parker Strip, yes, you get fluctuating fluctuations. Mm-hmm. In the water, but you still have a lot of places for them to go. Have yeah, to in Mojave, you don't yeah. get a lot of 
big fluctuation in that water over there. And then you get on Lake Mead, and, man, that thing's going down right. like a drawbridge on Saturday right. night. It's and, uh, yeah. uh, as you're saying, uh, uh, just places for them to to hide or to, to find bait fish uh, is is just – when you got to swim around to chase a, a little silver side, there's not a right. lot of nutrition in that. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's – like I said, I think that's a major thing was that water – the water levels of, you know, up and down so much, and our water levels stay – so consistent and i think that's a huge you know huge player to have that you know lake mojave drops at the most 10 10 to 12 feet you know and uh Havasu's, i think six and then obviously parker's trip goes up and down you know six seven feet with the you know water and then down to yuma which the you know the bass fishing down at yuma is phenomenal and you know same thing there it's it only drops four or five feet so i think having that is a huge thing. Their all water always comes back up, and they always know they can go eat what they need to up shallow. You know, the well, problem is whether you have a lake like like uh, at, that holds its water level four to five feet, six or seven feet. That's one mm-hmm. thing because you always have constant brush in the water. That that one if after the bass spawn, it takes. That's when the weed growth starts in every lake. It's this is right. part of nature, and and it takes the weed growth to start growing for the crawdads to come out and start crawling because that's what the crawdads eat. They eat the forage for, that grows there. It also is the same spot that that after the bass spawn, the fry go into that weed line to mm-hmm. protect themselves so they can get bigger and and grow. When you have a constantly dropping lake, we don't have that same growth in that same area that the fish can go into one to hide, and that that grows that largemouth especially. That's where the largemouth population drops because there's no place for the fry to go to live. And then right. you've got the problem with the crawdads. You know they have to keep crawling down and not and not stay in the mud because they hibernate. They go into the mud and they stay hidden for a while and then they come out in the spring when when there's forage for them to eat that's part of nature god's own plan if you want to call it that mm-hmm. well when you've got lakes where it's constantly dropping the crawdad population drops there's no forage for the smaller fish i mean the fry to go for the big largemouth bass the smallmouth they they spawn in cooler water than the largemouth is and they overtake the lake and that's what's mm-hmm. happened in Powell and Mead and Mojave and Havasu, all the way down the Havasu, I mean, the, the Colorado River chain is the largemouth population has dropped off because the fry don't have any place to go and yep. they're just either eating or whatever else. And, and we don't have the, the same crawdad population. You get to, to Havasu, well, Mojave's got a big, huge amount of crawdads in, in that thing, but it stays pretty, pretty level. And so does Havasu, and so does Yuma, and the river, because the mm-hmm. water's flowing. There's a ton of crawdads going all year long. The water's warmer, and and the fish are, are on the feed. And they, that's that's a real problem when you get to Mead and Powell. They've suffered the most out of this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's you know, a Justin, bad, bad let's, let's talk about uh, 2022, because you look back at 2021, your name was up there at the top 
in a lot of major events, and whether it be our regional events like the U.S. Open or, or fishing mm-hmm. up north, or whether it's fishing nationally, you, you've been probably recently one of the most successful Western fishermen to go on out there. Uh, what does 2022 have in store for you? Uh, you know, obviously every every year you got to take, you know, what gets, comes to you, especially bass fishing, uh, such up and down deal. And, um, you know, hopefully I can keep the momentum going. And, you know, it's a year that you remember and you, you know, you know, cherish because they don't come around very much. And you know, hopefully, you know, having winning one early in the year, you can win one a little later in the year. And, and, and that's how it works. So hopefully that's, that's what, you know, continues to go. And, but I never, like I said, I, you know, I never anticipate too much. I just try to just do what I do and, and fish the way I fish. And, and, um, you know, if it's, it meant to happen, it happens. And you try to do as much as you can to, you know, cause that, that winning thing. And, um, you know, I'll just, I'll just keep at it, but hopefully, uh, 2022 is, is good for me. Well, let's hope so too. Are I you going to be so. fishing, uh, <laughs> now the BASS events? Uh, what are you going to be doing, uh, Outside of our region, yeah. This year, I'm staying out west uh, a little bit more. Uh, I got some stuff going on around here, so um, I'll be hanging out here this year. And maybe next year, I, I might go back out there and fish some open, so I can try to make the leaps. And uh, I like to at least fish those at least one one year would be good for me. Now, before we're too old and my back hurts too bad, I can't do it anymore. Because obviously, you know, I'm that good. <laughs> Your back, man, gets tore up bass fishing, and that's that's a for sure thing. And now with the, the forward-facing sonar, you know, looking down a lot, you have you know upper and lower back problems. It's not just a, just a lower back problem. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully, I can do it before I'm you know beat up too bad. And uh, you know, I you know that's that's what I'm hoping for. Well, you know, we you have know, Kyle Roper you, on who uh, I got... did fairly well at Lake Havasu here, an mm-hmm. uh, event a couple of weeks ago, and he's. He's a rather young man, and he's already complaining about having that sore back looking at that screen. Are are you doing yeah. the same thing too? No, I, I don't have it. I, I don't have active target, so mine I I just fish shallow most of the time, so I don't I don't really necessarily need it. I'd like it on some places, but um, I kind of just stick to how I fish and I start changing things. I don't really want to change things. It'd be like changing my swing without any practice, you know and in a golf <laughs> tournament, you know, so, uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I've just kind of kept what I'm doing, but I definitely have a, a lower back problem from, you know, a little bit smaller boats back in the day, I think at Lake Mead and those places and the, you know, obviously fishing on tour stuff for years, I got beat up up North a couple of times pretty bad. And, uh, I think that that's part of it in playing sports when I was young, just, uh, I think it's it's hurt me, and I got a couple probably discs that are out, I'm sure. And I actually, uh, the one that Kyle did good in then at Havasu, I, you know, I told everybody, at least I wish I would have had a good story, but, you know, I was just putting on my underwear in the morning, and uh, my back went out, and I couldn't. I almost needed a walker to fish that tournament. That's how bad my back was, that first tournament that Kyle did good in. So, uh, you know, I told her, like I said, I wish I had a good story and say, oh, my back went out doing this or that, but it was pretty bad, <laughs> embarrassing, actually, so. Uh, but you know, that's the way it goes. And, and hopefully my back stays in the good for the rest of the year. Justin, before you know, we let I, you go, gotta, you know, uh, 
the uh, the non-tournament anglers, they look at these big events and they see the prize mm-hmm. monies that are won, and they go, man, these guys are are living high off the hog. But uh, they don't realize what it takes to go and fish these events and the, the expense when it comes to that. And a lot mm-hmm. of times tournament money can be eaten up in a hurry. So you have yeah. to depend on some really great sponsors. And if you will, in the time we have left with you, who are the sponsors that have helped get you to where you are now? Yeah, first of all, obviously, I'd like to you know, thank the organizations, obviously, for coming out, still fishing out west and giving us opportunities for that because, you know, you don't have an organization. You're not going to have tournaments. And, you know, one bass has kept me alive for, shoot, 20 years I've been fishing them, and I've obviously won the U.S. Open, the California Open, and then now this one. So uh, plus all the other good tournaments I've had along the way, they've kept me you know, live and uh, one bass is, you know, for me, I'm grateful for having them out West and for sponsorship wise, obviously I have uh, Evergreen International has been with me since I won the U S open in 2008. And uh, I couldn't ask for a better company. They're very loyal, very, very good people. And um, it feels like family and um, everything they do is, has a purpose behind it. They have one designer that works on one bait at a time and, everything's done perfectly and uh obviously you know everyone's known that from the chatterbait that uh you know jack hammer that brett height designed and uh you know just seeing that bait take off it just shows how you know good you know evergreen and you know z-man are together and how good evergreen is is having you know everybody do everything perfectly and uh it's you know an amazing company to to be with and um, you know, I couldn't be more happy to have them. So, uh, them and, uh, Life Source Water are my two number one sponsors that I have. And that's my buddy Jay. And he, I think he just does it out of the kindness of his heart to help me out and, uh, keep me fishing. And, you know, he loves bass fishing and we get along. We have all the same, same, uh, you know, common things that we enjoy. So we get along and we're great friends and, you know, having that, uh, helps me huge so those two companies and obviously i've had you know ranger and mercury mercury's done a lot for me in the in the last 20 years and um you know ranger boats and and roboworm roboworm without roboworms we all know how much money we've won on roboworms obviously stan you know so <laughs> roboworm mike everywhere and some great stump and mike break bill and mark taylor they've all been awesome and uh they've helped me out and obviously this tournament was won on a roboworm too so having that is uh pretty special to have and i wouldn't be obviously i wouldn't be fishing tournaments because uh it's very expensive all right justin we're gonna have to pull the plug on it now but congratulations on winning the uh, mojave open uh, at laughlin and uh, we look forward to talking to you again uh, down the road here because we know that you're going to be at the top again real soon so thanks a lot for being with us all right thank you guys appreciate your time all right. Justin, I'm going to give you a call during the week here, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. Hey, Stan, that's it for tonight. Good going tonight. Uh, and uh, Wendy, the same with you. So, everyone, that's it for tonight. On behalf of Israel in the AM540 studios that kept everything going tonight, Ben Harvey, our local producer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, Eddie McCune, and Mr. Paul Leader, who kept us on the air for oh so many years. Thanks a lot, everyone. We'll be back next Sunday night at 5.05 p.m. on AM 540. So until then, go out and get those fish. They're getting away. Good night, everyone.
got no ambition. You're convincing me. Gone fishing. <laughs> got your hound dog by your side. That's old Cindy Lou going with me. Gone fishing. Mm-hmm. Fleas are biting at his hide. Get away from me, boys. You're bothering me. Folks won't find us now because. 